Father, as your word is open now, may you make Jesus big to us. May your word be clear to us. May we see Christ in all of his grace and his glory. And may your spirit have freedom in our midst this morning to do as he pleases and that we would surrender following Jesus with the hope that we've been given in Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I wanted to introduce Pastor Josh to you this morning. Pastor Josh is our children's pastor here at Bethel, and he is going to preach to us today. He's going to open God's Word to us today, and you're saying, but Pastor Ken, um, you're the lead pastor. You're the preaching and teaching pastor, and, and that is true. And those of you who are joining us for the first or second time, um, you haven't heard me preach yet, and, and honestly, you won't hear me preach until December 25th. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is, I am not just the lead pastor here. I am a member of this congregation. In fact, I'm a member of this congregation before I am the lead pastor, which means I need to be preached to by guys who know me and love me. You say, don't you listen to preaching during the week? Yes, I do listen to preaching during the week. And I listen to very well-known pastors, but they don't know me. They don't know my heart. And if by God's grace he allows Joanna and me to have a long ministry here, it will be in part because I have sat where you are sitting and I am ministered to by men who love me and know me and I need to hear them preach. So Pastor Josh come at this time. Pastor Josh is our children's pastor. He doesn't just have a passion for kids. He is a gifted communicator, and I can't wait to hear what God has to say to us this morning through Pastor Josh. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Pastor Ken. And I am privileged today to be able to speak to everyone. Uh, Normally, I am downstairs with the kids, so it's great to be a part of our worship service and to be with, here with everyone and share God's word with you. Uh, I've been asked to, to bring the first sermon on our four-part series of the Advent. And our, our first topic, our first part of that is the topic of hope. And as you think of the word hope, what comes to your mind? Jesus coming, maybe. I sent a text uh, to someone earlier this week. I hope that you're feeling better. Um, I told someone out in the lobby, uh, they said, we're praying for you this morning as you preach. I said, well, don't get your hopes up. Okay, so we use this word, I hope you're feeling better, I hope to see you again soon, and we use this word hope a lot. And as I've been ramping up for this sermon, I've realized even more how often I use this word hope. But what does it actually mean to hope at this time of the year? And I hope that after, I hope, there you go, I hope that after this sermon is done, that it'll cause you to look at Christ and Christmas a little bit differently, more biblically, more hopeful. 
I have a picture that I'm going to show you here on the screen. This picture came across my newsfeed on my Bleacher Report app, and I said, I've got to show that to everybody in church. Raise your hand if you know who this is. I just want to see. I want to test the knowledge of our audience here. Okay, so I see maybe 20 hands. Okay, that's what I guess I figured. Oh, there's a big one up there. Thank you, Mr. Choco. Uh, this, this man's name is Christian Pulisic. A- Amen. <laughs> okay, he is a professional football player. And I use that word football on purpose because uh, the ball, the round ball that you use to kick with your foot is called, that sport is called football. Uh, not American football. And uh, Christian Pulisic is also referred to as Captain America because he has captained the U.S. men's national team. And uh, I have a picture of the U.S. men's national soccer football team. And we've just, we're in the heat of the World Cup. The U.S. men's soccer team has just been eliminated from the World Cup, if any of you uh, may, may not know that. They played yesterday against Netherlands, put up a good fight, but they lost. So they're out of the tournament. But I bring up Christian Pulisic, that picture of hope, because there's millions of people who put their hope in this man. Now, while he is a good soccer player, football player, He's not the one that we should put our hope in. And there's millions of soccer fans out there that hoped in Christian Pulisic and this U.S. men's national team to win the World Cup. No matter how much hope you have, I'm sorry, the U.S. men's national team does not have what it takes to win the World Cup. Now, they did a good job. They fought hard. But maybe another year. Do you have anything in your life that you're putting hope in that's false. This is just one example of false hope. How about the political leaders that we have or that you hope or wish we had? Can I tell you something? That's false hope. How about the number of followers or likes that you get on Instagram or Facebook? That should not be our hope. That's false hope. How about this one? It's not a person. It's money. We chase the dollar, and we hope that it will bring us happiness, or we hope that it will satisfy us, but that's false hope. This morning, I would like to share with you and proclaim that only Christ brings hope. Every believer today needs to know and understand that Jesus Christ is our only source of hope. First of all, I want to look at how Christ brings hope in the past. I have several Bible verses that I'm going to read to you today, and I would like to have a little bit of audience participation from the young people. Any young people here? I think I see some kids here. Okay. When we come across the word hope, In these verses, I want to hear you say it out loud, okay? Our first verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living, very good, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our next verse, 
For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have... Very good. Let us hold fast the confession of our... Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. These are just a few of the words, of the verses that I found to be presenting Christ as hope, God as hope in the past. So not only does Christ bring hope in the past, Christ also brings hope in the present. Here we go, kids. Ready? Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we in you. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? In God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, this next verse, verses, is quite small. I crammed it in, so I apologize if you can't see it. Through him, speaking of Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These are just a few of the the verses that present Christ as our hope in the present. So we have hope that Christ brings in the past. We have hope that Christ brings in the present. And the Bible also talks about hope in the future. And we actually already even read some of those verses uh, with Pastor Dave. Here we go, kids. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the of glory. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the of eternal life. And this last verse does not have the word hope, but I just could not leave it out. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who hope, they who wait on the Lord, he'll renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And there's many, many, many more verses in the Bible of examples of how Christ, God, brings hope. How he should be our source of hope. So from these verses, we learn that Christ brings hope. He is our living hope. He's our hope in life. He's our hope in death. We just had a funeral. We experienced death in our church this last week. 
The Cerniak family, what a sweet, sweet service. If you weren't here, it was one of the sweetest funerals I've ever been to. Their boys stood up here and they testified to their mother and people from the audience testified to their mother and how gracious of a woman and godly. And I was encouraged, having just lost my mother to cancer a year ago. I hope that people speak highly of me like that at my funeral. But this Zerniak family can have hope even in death because of Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you don't understand what I mean by that, then listen up. Because it's Christ that we can have hope. Not just in life, but even in death. And then lastly, from these verses, we learn that Christ is our eternal hope. So I have a question that I want to ask, propose to you this morning. Does God keep his promises? Now, before you answer, you think about all the promises that we just read, all the promises that we just talked about, and there's many, many, many more promises in the Bible that God makes. You know what it means to have a promise made. Maybe you've had someone in your family or a friend or even a boss promise you something and then break the promise. Doesn't feel good, does it? And I hope none of you here have ever broken any promises. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the answer to the question, yes, God always keeps his promises. Every single one of them. Now, granted, there are some promises in the scripture that he has made that haven't come to fruition yet. They are still going to happen in the, in the future. But I'm, I want to encourage you today that the promises that we find in the Bible, God will keep. Do you believe that? That should give us hope that God keeps his promises. One promise that he did make to us in the book of Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and, his, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In this one verse alone, which by the way, Isaiah wrote this verse approximately 800 years before Jesus was born. Now, if that's not an encouragement to you, then I don't know what is, because this is a promise that was made, a prophecy that was made and fulfilled. But here in this verse, we have four names of Jesus. Now, Jesus has multiple names. I have multiple names. To the kids, I'm Pastor Josh, to my kids, they call me dad, daddy, dada. I know one day it's going to come when dada is not going to be called anymore and I'm going to miss it. My wife calls me babe. If she ever does call me Josh, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I have nephews and nieces that call me Uncle Josh. My girlfriend in fourth grade called me Joshy Poo. My mom used to call me Snooky Lou. Okay? Jesus has different names too. And every name has a meaning. 
I'm sure you guys have different names, maybe a nickname. Well, we have four of them right here in this verse. The first one I want to really emphasize, wonderful counselor. The word wonderful, you think of the word wonderful, what comes to mind? Amazing, really great, awesome. I think of a thumbs up. Something's wonderful, it's a thumbs up. Something's not wonderful, like some casseroles I've had before, thumbs down. Not my wife's, by the way, she is a great cook. Wonderful. Well, this actual word in this, in this verse, the word wonderful, has the idea of incomprehensible. You can't even comprehend it. It is mind-blowing to put it in today's vernacular. You can't understand the wonderfulness of this Savior to come. Okay? And he's not just wonderful, he's a wonderful counselor. Counselor, we know what counselors are. They have uh, advice, they give counsel, wisdom, um, they help people when they have troubles. Uh, you have a camp counselor, they're sort of like uh, the one you look to for help, you know, they're in charge, they're the leader. Okay, well, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And he's been given to us. And we have him as our own savior to be able to call upon at any time, to be able to ask him for help. Colossians 2 verse 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This should bring us hope. It gives me hope today to know that I have a wonderful counselor that at any time I can, I can call upon, I can go to his word and, and I, can, I can see what I need to do Every answer to every problem in life is found right here. Do you believe that? He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father and he's a prince of peace. Years and years and years ago, 2000 approximately, when Jesus was born, he came in the flesh God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And he came as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal father and prince of peace. This brings hope. This should make us, the fact that God loved us enough to to send his son to this earth, this dirty, wicked, carnal place. And he did it for us so that we could have eternal life and have a relationship with him, that should bring us hope. And anytime I share uh, an Old Testament passage, actually not anytime, but oftentimes when I'm connecting, trying to connect Old Testament to Christ, I'll use something called the Christ Connection. And um, I'll, sing with, I'll sing with the kids a little song that, that uh, Pee Wee's Herman Playhouse I learned when I, was, when I was a little kid. Pee Wee's Herman Playhouse, connect the dots, la, 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 Come on, connect the dots. Okay, you guys aren't, okay. It must have just been me then. Okay, well, I've taught your kids this song, all right? I like to connect the dots from our story, our passage in the Old Testament to Jesus. We call it the Christ connection. And again, I want some audience participation here. I don't feel like I'm getting much from you guys this morning. So I'm gonna have you read each one. I've got four connections. And if you can, read, if you can see them, I try to make them as big as possible. Uh, try, try to read them along with me, please. Number one. The first connection, ready? God 
keeps his promises. That's the first thing when you understand from this Isaiah 9, 6 passage that God promised to send a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting eternal father and a prince of peace. He kept his promise. He sent the savior. God keeps his promises, number one. Number two, God promised to send a rescuer. So he sent his son Jesus into the world as a baby. The promise was to send a savior or a rescuer. We all need to be rescued. Like a cat caught in a tree or someone who's drowning in the water. Jesus came to be our rescuer. We're drowning in our sin. We need to be saved. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and we come short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. Every single person that has ever lived on this earth, except for Jesus Christ himself, needs a savior. And that's why Jesus came, to rescue us from our sins. And if you're here today and you don't really understand, and this is maybe the first time that you're understanding why Jesus came, he didn't just come to live a good life and to, be, to do these cool miracles and all these things. He came to rescue, to be a savior. And I encourage you today that if your faith is not in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you from your sins, that you will trust in Christ alone. And that leads us to point number three. Again, ready? Everybody together. Jesus saves sinners. That's us. Jesus saves. And then number four, everybody together. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to rescue us. That's why he came. He died of a picture of the cross, this should bring us hope. The fact that Jesus died in our place should give us hope. Hope that our sins can, can be forgiven, that our sins were paid for. But you know what brings me more hope than the fact that Jesus died on the cross? It's this next picture. You know what this is? This is a picture of the tomb that Jesus was buried in. Now, I took this picture with my own eyes, or with my own eyes, with my own camera. I saw my own eyes. Click, right? I'll never forget it. Anyone here ever been, ever been to the garden tomb themselves? Okay. If, you, if you've never been and you get a chance to do it one day, I encourage you. But I've seen it with my own eyes. I took it with my own camera, the garden tomb where Jesus was buried. And I'm here to tell you, everybody, that it's empty. The fact that the tomb is empty should give us hope. Why? 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 I don't understand. Well, take your Bibles. Take your Bibles out. I don't have these verses on the screen because there's a lot of them. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the front, in the pew right there in front of you, hopefully. If not, then maybe someone next to you can share. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, verse number 12. I'm gonna read from 12 to verse 20. I encourage everyone to be able to see this with your own eyes. Kids, if you don't have a Bible, share with your parent. I'm gonna read it out loud and please follow along as I read. First Corinthians 15, starting verse 12. This is why Jesus' death, and not just his death, but his resurrection is so important. This is why it should give us hope. First Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, 
How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Or in other words, your faith has no hope. Verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins, and you have no hope. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen and amen. The fact that Christ is raised gives us hope. It gives us hope that our sins can be forgiven, that our sins were conquered that there is no longer any sting. If you go to the end of of chapter 15, there's no longer any sting in death. Jesus conquered victory we have through Jesus' resurrection. The fact that there was no body in that tomb, that is hope. Just let that sink in for a moment. so thankful today that the tomb is empty, that Jesus did in fact raise from the dead. They had a stone that was there. It wasn't necessarily the stone that was rolled before in front of the tomb, but it was really neat to think about how the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose. And they had this sign there. It said, Jesus Christ declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. This proved that he was who he said he was. His resurrection. So, does God keep his promises? Yes. I'm so thankful he does. Have a prayer. A prayer that My wife actually shared this prayer with me. It's from Romans 15, a prayer that I've prayed for you guys and that I want to pray again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I just want to be hopeful, you guys. I don't want to just hope in things. I want to abound in hope. That only comes through God. Now, I want to make some application. When the rubber meets the road, in the heat of the battle, at the heart of it all, what are you hoping in? I need you to ask yourself that question right now. Are you guilty of false hope? hoping in, trying to find satisfaction or peace or joy in other things other than Christ. If you have 
Forsake that. Confess that to God. And ask him to give you hope in him alone. May Jesus be the anchor of your soul. I sent an email out Friday, I believe, with a Spotify playlist of three songs. One of the songs was, Jesus is the anchor of my soul. Anyone listen to it? It's a good song. The, next, the second song was, uh, Christ is on the solid rock I stand. May Jesus be the solid rock on which you stand. That firm foundation. Don't stand on money. Don't stand on your position in a job. Don't stand on how many likes you get on Instagram. Stand on Jesus Christ alone. And then the last song that I included was your hope in life and death. May Jesus be your hope in life and in death. And this song, specifically this song, Hope in Life and Death, was written by Keith and Kristen Getty and uh, Matt Boswell, Jordan Coughlin, Matt Merker, Matt Papa. Um, this is officially my new favorite song, okay? Uh, we, the pastors went to the Getty Conference, the Sing Conference in August. We sang this. We, it was just wonderful to be able to sing this song with the Getty team and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, the words spoke to me, and as I was prepping for this message, I was talking to my wife, and she said, you know what, that would be a great song to sing with the congregation. So we're gonna sing that here in just a minute. But before I do, I wanna walk through the lyrics of this song. This is my conclusion, by the way. We're gonna walk, walk through the lyrics. There are 12 questions that the Getty team laid out from this, in this song. 12 questions that should bring us hope. And as I read these 12 questions, I want you to, uh, I want you to think and, and realize and understand the answer to each of these questions and the common theme, okay? First question, what is our hope in life and death? Well, we just got done talking about it. Christ alone, Christ alone. Second question, what is our only confidence. It shouldn't be in our ability, uh, our degree, our experience, our money, that our souls to him belong. Who holds our days within his hand? What comes apart from his command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Then it goes into the chorus, oh, sing alleluia. Next question, what truth can calm the troubled soul? Anyone here troubled? Or maybe you've been in troubles? There's only one truth that can calm your soul. God is good. Praise be to God for his goodness. This, last, this Thanksgiving last week, I was really... Hit, it hit home and, it, and it, it hit me hard that we can praise God over and over in the, in the Psalms especially. It talked about praising God, praising God. And it said, for his goodness. Why should we th be thankful? It's because of God's goodness. Because he's good. And he's good even when things don't seem good to us. He's good all the time. The next, next question in the song, where is his grace and goodness known? And our great Redeemer's blood. 
Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Next question. Unto the grave, all the way to the grave, what shall we sing? Christ, he lives. He's not dead anymore. The tomb is empty. He is alive. That should bring us hope. Christ, he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. There we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. I want to encourage you today that if Jesus Christ is not your only source of hope, to repent of anything else that you're hoping in and hope in Christ alone. And then if you're here today and you've never realized that Jesus Christ alone can save, I encourage you, I beg you, I urge you, repent of your sins and trust in Christ alone as your only way to be saved, our hope in life and death. The team's gonna come and sing this song for us. You guys can sing with them.